Welcome to the Steps Uncertainty Podcast, a four-part series of conversations recorded at the Steps Centre's Politics of Uncertainty Symposium in July 2019. Uncertainty is all around us, but the full depth and breadth of challenges presented by the unknown are rarely fully acknowledged and virtually never embraced. So what kind of methods, behaviours, strategies and responses are needed to deal with different kinds of uncertainty? In this conversation, we'll hear about uncertainty in the areas of technology and critical infrastructures. The panel are Patrick van Swanenberg, researcher at CENIT, the Centre for Research on Transformation in Argentina, and Emery Rowe, Senior Research Associate at the University of California, Berkeley's Centre for Catastrophic Risk Management. The chair is Andy Sterling of the STEPS Centre. My name is Emery Rowe, and uh, let me start this conversation if I could. Uh, we were asked as the workshop uh, charge, mission charge was basically what is uncertainty and why does it matter? And uh, it was just a wonderful symposium because for myself, there was a diversity of ideas. Uh, amongst this diversity, it gave me a chance to articulate my ideas better uh, about what is uncertainty and uh, why does it matter, at least from the perspective that I look at uncertainty, which is basically from large socio-technical systems where, uh, where uncertainty matters often more than certainty in order to keep uh, services provided. Now, the charge that uh, we were given in the workshop, uh, Andy is here, uh, was in part why we must not close down to risk. I love that expression, close down, because what it means is we close down analysis all too often to what's called formal risk methodologies, determining likelihoods and, uh, uh, and consequences, try to put a number on it and so on. But I think what I got out of the workshop and what I think many others walked out with is equally not only do we not close down to risk, but we certainly don't close down to any one definition of uncertainty, particularly a kind of uncertainty called radical or deep uncertainty uh, called unknown unknowns. I think we had more than enough evidence uh, of people in different clusters and panels who were able to provide different kinds of uncertainties from everyday uncertainty through large technical system uncertainties that happen in real time through scientific uncertainties. So one way, one thing to do is not to close down on one definition of uncertainty, and you couldn't do it anyway, okay? There's just far too much out there to have too many different kinds of uncertainty. And if I can conclude, I see this process of going ahead, at least in my project, my thinking about it, bounded by two push factors. One is, just as we are articulating different types of risks and now different types of uncertainties, we should actually conjoin the pro uh, project with differentiating certainties. Because by differentiating certainties, for some group of people, what's left out is uncertainty. 
or by definition defines what's uncertain. So one end of the continuum is to have a better understanding as we look at it, risks and uncertainties about the cogeneration, co-production of what we take to be certainties, which are probably just as different as, as uncertainties. And at the other end, a push factor is picking up the notion of error. Error is many types of, different types of error. I mean, scientific uh, understanding of error is very different than, let's say, an engineering or technical system understanding of error. But error isn't so, error isn't just different at the micro level. The concept of error allows us to talk about bigger issues of error in our ethics, error in our understanding of these very complex and difficult systems. But let me end there. Can I, uh, j just picking up on that, Emery, right. you've really done a fantastic account of, of, of the way we've grappled with uncertainty here. What about the politics side, our, our, our symposiums on the politics of uncertainty? Where right. for you does the politics come in around those issues you've just put to us? I think it's an, if in fact you ima uh, imagine a process that is trying to determine, better determine, if you will, how certainty, risk, uncertainty, and error are differentiated over time, it by definition becomes political because it is meant to bring in those who are often excluded because you can't do all four without realizing, oh my God, we've forgotten somebody yeah. in the process. Or, oh, by the way, if you're talking about certainty, we have to talk about this group and then that will take, take, take it through. So the, the project is by definition political. And it's not a politics that will settle the issue of uncertainty. It is a politics that has to live through daily experience, my own interest being real-time, everyday experience among a class of professionals uh, uh, who are trying to balance, if you will, types of certainties, types of risks, types of uncertainties, and most certainly types of errors. Yeah. Thanks, that's, that's great. And so to match up with Emery's coverage of the infrastructure side, Paddy, you've been doing work over your career on the regulatory side. That's right. On our, our session was called Technology Policy, Regulation and Precaution. And so the kind of decisions involved in regulation are about how do we, what do we do, how do we intervene in issues around, say, pesticides or pharmaceuticals. And then more widely, technology policies, what kind of technologies should, should we support and fund, and there's choices often between should we have renewable systems or nuclear systems as low carbon responses, for example, to climate change? Those are the kind of issues we dealt with. And Andy, I mean, the, I mean, the question about how the politics of uncertainty kind of bears down on regulatory issues. I mean, there's been a, you know, a lot of reflection probably since after the Second World War about how these kind of key regulatory issues get in the language you use, close down to issues of safety and then to issues of probabilistic risk or risk with a little bit of uncertainty. And so you get something like, we just had an example right at the end of the conference, the nuclear industry and regulation of the nuclear industry. And the nuclear industry is historically tied to the nuclear weapons industry. And it's a very complicated set of issues around that whole innovation trajectory. And they get closed down to issue of safety of one plant, as if that was the whole meaning of why 
that the public should be at all bothered about this technology. So it's very exclusive of a lot of issues that are a concern for people. So that's an immediate politics of uncertainty there, closing down these issues to these things about safety. Mm. And then the safety gets further closed down in ways that often mean that only a small fraction of the kinds of doubts and uncertainties and what Andy called ambiguities around the technology get dealt with. So for example, you regulate a genetically modified organism, but what's the harm you're going to regulate? There's all sorts of kinds of impacts that it could have, and typically in regulation you choose one or two, and you choose one or two that are the most measurable and easier to deal with, and you exclude a lot of other stuff. So there's a kind of politics of closing down that we understand quite well because a lot of people have looked at it for a long time. But I think kind of you know one of the interesting things at the moment is there's also a politics of trying to kind of just look at a bit more broadly at different kinds of uncertainties and different definitions of the problem, different kinds of effects, and that's been pushed by a lot of things at the moment. So, for example, the whole transformation agenda, which has come out of the kind of climate change crisis and the biodiversity crisis, just means that regulating one technology in isolation, like a pesticide technology, and trying to maximise it you know, use it and be innovative without killing too many people or too much wildlife is not the way to think about transformation. You can't do it in that framework. So there's pressures on these frameworks to actually adapt to the transformation agenda, which is about changing whole systems. So in this case, whole agricultural systems to deal so you, with biodiversity. So you're feeling we're at a kind of critical juncture at the moment then? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's right now it's been i think there's been those kind of tensions mm. between closing down and opening up mm. in different ways at different periods mm. so 20 years ago it was bse mm. and the aftermath of bse was also an opening up pressure mm. when advisory scientists mm. decided they weren't going to take the bullet anymore mm. for ministers mm. so i don't know if now it's particularly there's more pressure to open up but i mm. think those tensions mm. i can see them there in yeah. even in the same institutions yeah and the same on the same policy issues yeah. and how they handle them. So in, in facing those tensions and dealing with those opportunities, I, I wonder from each of you really, you, you, um, what, what have you learned from the other strands of discussion here in the symposium about your own field? You've just talked really nicely about some of the issues coming out of Emory, for instance, on the, on the infrastructures, right. critical infrastructures. Is there anything that you would, I mean, messages you could bear away from the... Yeah, from the, I, I think that uh, it's clearer about the productive use of tension than I had thought before. Tension in my field, public policy and management, is like you don't want to have tension. You don't. You want to reduce tension. But at this, the what makes this the critical juncture, at least in my my understanding and my feeling about the issues of interest to me, why it's critical is we have to sustain this tension because. Quite frankly, the urgency of biodiversity loss, extinction, species extinction, climate change, however you rate those, require actual action. On the other hand, the current menu of action items, taxes, regulation, massively exclude people from the decision. So we are pro, uh, from the analysis. So, and why does that matter? Because it is a recipe, well-known recipe for failure. So we face ongoing, but now globalized failure of interventions, if not at least 
thought out a bit more in terms of who, what, who's missing, risk or uncertainty with respect to whom, what is this a case of actual uncertainty, what kind of uncertainty, scientific, technical, or could it be local situated uncertainties that we have not the foggiest idea about. So I see this as very productive. It's a juncture, it's a critical juncture because it forces us to look at the fact that if we actually respond urgently with the current menu of the, of the policy recommendations, it's doubt, doubtless a prescription for failure. Mm. And yet no one denies the need mm. to act. Mm. And what about you, Paddy? Is there anything you take away? Yeah, several things. I mean, the thing I want to talk about is this great question came up. I mean, Emery and his team, they're looking at critical infrastructure and the you know, whole system and the concern is keeping the lights on, making sure nothing explodes and so on. And the question came up, well, why aren't food and agriculture systems thought of as a critical infrastructure instead of thinking about them as individual technologies that you have to try and make as efficient and effective as possible? And it's a completely different way of looking it could be a completely different way of looking at something like for an agricultural system. You'd be worried about different things. You'd be worried about diversity and the resilience of the system. And so things like having just two or three species of maize being grown in most places around the world, what's the vulnerability there? You want more diversity. And it's a completely different frame. And it makes it clear how much, you know, underlying any kind of regulation or state intervention, you've got some underlying assumptions about what is the object you're trying to control, What's the problem with it, and what's the purpose of intervention? And those have evolved historically in technology regulation from, from initial concerns about trust. So for pesticides, why didn't the farmers wouldn't buy pesticides? So we have to regulate them so that they trust that the companies are doing, you know, saying what when they when they say what it's going to do, it's going to do it and not kill them. And that's kind of historically evolved so that we're just focusing on technologies and not systems, but there's no reason why it shouldn't be entire systems. So I found that really kind of, kind of a fresh way of thinking about mm. it. And in the same way, the, the, the guys working on, um, I should say the men and women working on cities start with a different frame of reference. You know, they start off, one, one, one person was saying, with an assumption of a broken policy system and then work from there. Yeah. And you could do this in our own fields and mm. it would give you very different kinds of answers and different questions to ask and I found that really kind of rewarding. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, just in case, is there anything else we've missed out that you'd really like to put Yes, what was the most surprising thing for you out of this? <laughs> Good surprise, bad surprise. Uh, <laughs> pressure on. Yeah, no, it's only fair. Yeah. I've been surprised by how you can have coherence in diversity. So the conference as a whole has been, we went out of our way to bring in people we did not know, yes. and then those people we did not know also brought in further tiers of people we did not know. So it's very unusual in that to organize a conference where you knew so few of the people at the conference. And because of the spirit in which people have actually engaged in this, we've managed, despite that, to keep a really wide bandwidth, sufficiently wide bandwidth. There's you know grumblings and creakings at the edges, which is good, but we've there's been a real coherence of the communication uh, going on here. And I think not only is, so that's not only a feature of this symposium, but it, I think it's really important to dealing with uncertainty itself, yeah. that you actually have a kind of quality of communication where people's relations are equal, 
where you have as much diversity as possible, you you make the power gradients as shallow as possible because often it's the case that the power gradients force people who know better to actually obscure or ignore some of the crucial messages from uncertainty. So although we can't claim to have done anything more here than had really uh, a rather fantastic set of conversations, I do think that that melding of diversity, equality and coherence together is something that's important in its own right for governance of uncertainty. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For the other episodes in this series and more resources on uncertainty, visit steps-centre.org slash uncertainty.